Hey everyone, if you're a fan of the show, please head over to MikeyOp.com and click the subscribe button. It's the best way to support us, and it's free. That's M-I-K-E-Y-O-P-P.com. Thanks. Hi, I'm Mike Oppenheim, and you are listening to Coffin Talk, Interviews with the Living, a weekly podcast that explores how our views on death affect the way we live our life. This week, coming to us from Iowa, is Janet Swartz. I've met Janet um, once in the long, long past, but we just got reacclimated online on this conversation, rather. And uh, she is a profoundly interesting individual who has done a million and one things, including um, writing a book, How to Hug a Light Being, A Spiritual Journey, which is a bestseller and available on Amazon. And she also runs empowerment process courses. And so I'm sure we're going to get into all this, so I won't talk on her behalf. So let's just go ahead and say hello to Janet. Hi, Janet. Hi, Mike. So good to have you on. Uh, How is Iowa today? How's the weather? It's beautiful. We have a really nice week, actually. Awesome. And um, I met you through my parents who used to live in Iowa. It's in a small town called Fairfield. Would you like to explain to our guests uh, the significance of Fairfield, Iowa? Uh, Sure. So Fairfield is, it's a place that I came in 1980. So you can see I've been here a long time. And uh, I came to uh, meditate, to do transcendental meditation with a large group of people to find a husband, which I did, right? And to contribute to world peace on the planet, which has not yet happened. Well, that's awesome. And so that was about 40 years ago that you moved there. The math is easy for me because I was born in 1981. So um, <laughs> so you must have been quite young when you moved. Oh, I had my 31st birthday here, actually. So, yeah, I'll be 72 on Saturday because <laughs> you like to you like to know that. And um, you also like to know that I grew up on the East Coast. And I, that's where I came I came from. And I married a guy from the East Coast. And, you know, we both have the same pretty much the same backgrounds in Judaism, basically, where from we're from the um eastern european jewish heritage cool and that's i I am too so um if you can practice tm be a practitioner live in fairfield with other fellow meditators but you're still religiously jewish yeah yeah and it you know it's not like you know i abide by or i think about jewish law that much but you know we do the high holidays and both of us and i and my training was with an orthodox rabbi even though i grew up in a little town in new hampshire (laughs) That's cool. Um, and actually, the thing you said about moving there that really struck a chord with me because it resonates with my goals was that you were part of the reason to move there was to help create this coherency field for world peace. So I'm actually curious. Um, I know you said it hasn't happened yet, but do you still think that is possible and that's uh, something that's going to happen, could happen? Uh, I don't think we actually have a choice. But so my answer is yes, even though it's a crazy time right now, honestly. Well, I'm curious what you think world peace looks like and how you think we, you and I and everyone else fits into it, because it's a it's a concept, but it's also something that many people think is utterly ridiculous and impossible. I am not one of those people. (laughs) (laughs) It has to do with love, actually. And if everybody extended their hearts to everybody else at whatever level they need it, then that's all that we really need in the world. And, you know, not about protection or division or fighting or anything like that. Yeah. And so jumping way ahead into your your byline of all the many things you've done in life, you currently run empowerment process courses. Um, First of all, how did you get into that? And second of all, what is that like? Okay. So the way I got into it, uh, uh, well, 
my daughter had serious cancer when she was five or six. Okay, that's the backstory. And I started to get um, some kind of, well, they're sort of like therapy sessions, but they're transformational process sessions from this, this gal who had just come off of a holographic repatterning um, workshop. And I decided to, I, whenever I like something, I tend to want to teach it or I want to, you know, get used, learn more about it. So I took about a dozen courses and then, um, and they were, they were quite magnificent. This woman, Chloe Wordsworth, developed them. And then I figured it, uh, oh, I, I would take a walk with my son who um, took his life in 2010 at age 25, but um, he was a very um, um, lit, uh, lit up kind of a guy. Uh, and he was a spiritual mentor along with being a junior accountant at his father's business. But, um, but anyway, we'd take a walk and he would ask me these questions about his experiences in consciousness. And I, I said to him, I can't really answer you because I don't have those same experiences. And he says, yes, you can, mom. <laughs> I said, okay, so fine, you know, ask me the questions. And so he would, and then he would be satisfied. And so I figured that I must be answering according to what he needed, you know, some, in, some intuitive, uh, guidance or something and so i um decided to write a process that um it actually incorporates all the chakras all the seven the seven major chakras in our body but i didn't really know that at the time and i wrote this course called and i called it the empowerment process i was trying to think what to call it so i trademarked it the empowerment process and um, I originally called the first course following your intuitive guidance for positive energetic transformation. And because I didn't feel I had a corner on the market of intuition, everybody has that, right? It's just a matter of tapping into it and following it and so forth. And I guess I, because I've done so much of it, um, this was in 2005 or six, because I've done so much of this kind of work, and I became um, basically a very uh, good facilitator of this holographic repatterning for many, for 14 years actually before this. So I must have developed a stronger intuition, and and so I'm able to actually give people information. And um, I mean, I don't like to call it intuitive reads because what are you reading? You know, maybe I'm reading the Akashic records. I don't know, but. <laughs> But anyway, so I was able to answer my son and I developed this, this course right after he was still around. And um, I then uh, just, I just did it weekly. And he was in one class and my daughter was in another class and there were 25 brave souls that signed up for this thing. <laughs> and then uh, I had a friend um, in Texas who, who wanted me to come out. And so she got together 15 or 16 people and I did it as a weekend and that's how I still teach that first course, but I call it something else because I call it become your own healer with the empowerment process because it's really about self-processing. It's really about self-change and so forth. Anyway, I've really been um, put to it with my two kids, which are not on the planet, who, whom are not on the planet anymore. And, um, and they left differently, but it's really been hard on a mom and me. <laughs> And uh, yeah, so, and they, you know, and children, as you know, and as you will find out more as your little girl grows, um, are, you know, are our learning really. 
Totally. Yeah. And I, I would like to mention that I had met both of your children and I liked them both and, you know, sorry for your losses. Um, and it's tough. And, and when I wanted to interview you, I didn't even care if that came up or not, because even though that is 100% the focus of this podcast, life and death, um, what I, what I remember about you, and it's still very true is that you're one of the most humble yet confidently direct people I've ever met. And I don't know if you've heard that before, <laughs> Um, but it's a very interesting <laughs> the direct part. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, the humility it totally comes in too, though, because you say things like, you know, maybe I'm tapping into the Akashic records, who knows, like that, that humility with intuition and with the field of consciousness is what I'm looking for. Um, because, you know, I, I say that to my friends, you know, hopefully we'll find out the truth someday with this podcast or with some other thing, but you know, I don't think that's likely. I think that the truth is something we feel, but not something we can intellectually engage with. So I have a backlog of questions now to ask you. I'm going to start with holographic repatterning because it's a term that I don't think many people would understand. So can you explain what that is exactly? Yeah, I will. And there's also a book called The Holographic Universe, which I recommend. It's, it was, it, yeah, it was written in the 80s, I think. But um, it explains a little bit about the hologram. And um, it's basically, I mean, basically we're all energetic beings, you know? <laughs> And um, in, in, all, in all of our tentacles, which are not just our mind, but our feeling, our body, you know, and so forth. And we do have a human body. And so I, I don't really want to talk that much about holographic repatterning because it's been a really long time since I've done it. But um, the book explains it scientifically in words that we can all understand very well. <laughs> the holographic holographic universe and it became something called resonance repatterning it changed its name but i think the original name came from the book okay so is holographic repatterning though like something that people could look up and there's still courses on it maybe it's called resonance repatterning but it's yes like... yes yes yeah they still yeah chloe has a lot of teachers and um yeah she always supported me too in my work which was really you know really awesome and she's she lives, by the way, in Arizona. Yeah, when she's not in um, in India. Yeah, we are this weird. Sedona is so close to us, and we just have this weird, weird, like hippie occult metaphysical connection. It's so strange because it's also full of golfers and like very <laughs> uh, materialistic Western life. So these two cultures kind of meet here. Um, my my question to make it very succinct, because I do want to move on to the other things that you're more interested in. Is just is holographic repatterning something someone would do for a psychological condition or for a physical condition or for both? It's just like the empowerment process, whatever people want. Yeah, and the difference really is the, the empowerment process is simpler. Holographic repatterning is there's like 12 or 14 courses, you know, um, and they're all different. Um, but you have to start with the basics is like, you know, what it's about and so forth. So on my website, like I say, what the empowerment process is in, in a short video that my husband took, you know, <laughs> and, um, you know, it really has to do with becoming self-empowered. And what does that mean? Does it mean connection to God? Well, yes. <laughs> does it mean connection to oneself? Well, yes. Is it the same thing? Well, maybe, <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and so let's get into the nitty gritty of the whole podcast, which is, um, what do you think happens when we die? But I'd like to specifically ask you, what do you think happens when we die? And what does self-empowerment have to do with that? Uh, well, there are many questions in between that. But um, I know this from both my kids, actually. And, and it's really from people who could connect with them, not so much me. Okay, but I get the information, which is really awesome. 
But what happens when you lose the casing of the body in this life, okay, is that on the other side, you can work multidimensionally. You can work, no, I'm sorry, you can work multidimensionally, but you can work multitasking is, is really the word that I wanted to say. So um, in the book, How to Hug a Light Being, A Spiritual Journey, which is the one I wrote four years after my son left. So it wasn't a therapeutic piece. It was more a mother's um, um, giving giving some credence, some uh, oh, what I honoring of, you know, Dan, of Daniel. Um, and anyway, it's it's a nice book. And, and uh, most of the people who have read it, you know, say really nice things and blah, blah. And I just posted an update and there's a couple of things missing. So right after this call, I'm gonna be talking to somebody about, you know, uploading some of the changes. But in any case, on the other side, one can work multidimensionally. So here's an example. Here's an example. Here's two examples. But the one that's closest to me at the moment was, is my daughter. Okay, she left of a very serious painful sarcoma um, a year and a half ago. Uh, a little less a year and four months ago. And it was very hard for, um, for me to watch her die, but she was able to separate uh, pain from suffering. It was very beautiful. And by the time she left, which she had some neuropathy, she had neuropathy at the end um, after many surgeries and blah, blah, you know, on and on. But uh, she was able to start working right away. Usually when you go to the other side, you take some time to heal, <laughs> okay? All right, so so that I happen to know. But what happened is that five of her very close friends that she spent a lot of time with um, working to um, help them get significant others, to be okay with their significant other, whatever, you know, whatever was the, the theme for the, their friends, is that they all are happy and have significant others now. And you know, and so I know that she was involved and she also was very um, connected to the planet, to the earth and wanted to heal the earth and was connected to the indigenous. She had an intercultural degree and a law degree. And the thing is that, and everybody loved her. She just exuded this patient, beautiful, expanded feminine love. You know, it was unbelievable to me. But in any case, okay, in any case, um, boyfriend at the time who stayed with her right to the end, it was really awesome, um, sent this text to me how there was this dam project, the Klamath River Dam, basically, in the, on the West Coast. They're going to take some of the dams down so that the fish could survive and the, some of the indigenous people. But she was working, she was asked to work on a dam project for the Columbia River, which goes from Canada through six states. And I said, and she really, really wanted to make you know, to make things happen in, in this dam project. And I said, it's just gonna be a while because of, you know, politics basically and five years and blah, blah. And um, so it was, it, you know, it was kind of difficult to match the career and the thinking with the reality. And that's kind of what's going on now, I suppose. <laughs> but, but that was, that's the, uh, the first, um, the first example, the second one's a lot quicker. And it was after Dan left, okay, um, there was, we had this called sitting Shiva, which is in the Jewish tradition. We didn't have to do it with Deborah because she started working right away. But with Dan, um, there were three days before Memorial Day in 2010. 
And he liked to do everything in a big way, right? So on Memorial Day, we had his big memorial service. There were about 400 people here. It was just the most incredible thing, you know? <laughs> so one person on sitting, it was the second night, I think, of sitting Shiva, and there were, some, there were probably about 125 people there. And there was this woman on the deck who, uh, you know, on our deck, who just radiated this, this light, you know, I couldn't, so I asked her and she also, I knew she was, and she came from out of town, but I asked, I knew she was a healer of some kind and blah, blah. So I asked her to come onto the porch afterwards and she agreed. So she did. And during that time, it's all written in this book and in how to hug, by the way. But during that time, she, she would roll her, her eyes up, you know, when she would see things or whatever. But she said, did you, do you see that you all have your own special Daniel behind you, you know, and of course, and it was Daniel and Deborah and I were on the porch. And then she saw him divide into infinity and stuff like that. So I know that without the body that on the other side that there's, you know, much, much that can happen. And it depends on our, I guess, our level of evolution, which never stops, honestly. Wow. And so how, how much do you think our fear of death in this culture, the pervasive, like, oh my God, when you die, it's all over. I don't want to die. How much do you think of that is like misguided? Uh, and where is it coming from is the question that I have. Yeah. So let me, let me read you part of a poem. It's in the back of my book. It's like two stanzas that I'm going to read. Let the process known as death be known deep within for you, uh, you for what it is and for what it is not. Let fear and remorse be no more. Instead, let be created an understanding of this. The spirit of the departed is beginning a new initiation, which is a cause for celebration. Within the enfoldment into oneness, we all grow towards unity. You know, and it goes on from there. But, you know, it's just, I mean, everybody wants to preserve their bodies in general. So, so, so this thing about suicide, okay, and I make it very clear in the book, is that this is not a comment on suicide because some people die from overdoses or they die in, you know, they die in different ways. And um, who, who is anybody on this planet, including me, you know, to, to make any kind of judgment or comment on that? So I'm only talking about this one son, right? And some people that some uh, advanced people, you could say, or people who are readers or people who are, you know, whatever. Um, I think under like Dolores, we read a lot of Dolores Cannon after Dan, Daniel left. And she understood that in terms of past life and future life and not having to be here. And there, there are many people that don't have to be here, but they come. And he was one of those people, according to her, according to the way we think, according to somebody that we um, subscribe to and, and was our friend who was a, an intuitive. OK, however, yeah, however, um, <clears throat> that might not be the case for everybody. And, you know, to come back to this, you know, if you believe in reincarnation, OK, then to come back to this planet is to work out some more of what it is that we decide before we get here that we want to do, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so I think that we are guided and we are counseled and that we decide if we are going to come back either as a fully developed individual or somebody that still has things to work out, blah, blah, you know? 
it doesn't really make any difference and we never really know. So you have a new baby, for example, okay? And I don't know if you've had the chart, you know, the astrological chart read or you just have, know about the kid's personality in a month and a half, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. It, it's just, it's very interesting to watch that and, and to have the, gee, I wonder what they're gonna be like when they're 10 or 20 or something like that, you know? Totally. Yeah, we, we have that curiosity as parents still. And, and, and it's like, am I still a mom? Well, you bet. You know, it's just to have these. And, and the thing is to have these, to bird these kids, right, who are, quote, light beings. You know, now they're light beings for sure. But even on the planet, people really, really saw that and noticed the different, you know, noticed them. So it's noticed that aspect, I guess. And, you know, there's a lot of other things to say that are fun but you know this is a short interview so yeah no and i'm i'm captivated by so many things you said um i did have another question that was linked to what we just talked about so i'll ask it next which is um you said deborah was able to separate pain from suffering i find this to be like a very intriguing uh example of like so there's like pointers and conceptions in philosophy and like i love this idea of separating the word suffering from the words pain and struggle and fear. And there's so many other words like that. Um, so I, I want your opinion though, like what, how do you intend for someone to hear that to separate pain from suffering? Cause I think a lot of people think they're mutually exclusive. Yeah, well, the thing is, I'm not sure I've actually done that myself. So I would watch her in extreme pain and heavy narcotics, but not so heavy that she couldn't be clear, right? And on CBD oils, which was, not, um, what's the word, uh, uh, you know, she could still get from Oregon where she lived. I mean, her home was Oregon, even though she couldn't go back. And um, when she was in the house, you know, she would say, mom, I'm going to holler at night because it helps me with the pain, right? It helps me, but don't, don't be concerned about it. And she never complained and, or anything that I, you know, from my standpoint, and I just... <laughs> tore uh, a, a, some cartilage in my left rib doing some stupid things, you know, because I like to use my body. And and I was really uncomfortable for a while. And all I did was take ibuprofen, you know, one at night or something or two. And I just would lose it. You know, I would, I so, and, and I would think about her and there's something about attachment, you know, that people are on their own journey and we have to let that be. And so that was a part that, that, that was the emotional part that I had to, to learn, but, or I'm still learning probably, but the pain is what brought it out. So I figured it must've been divinely ordained, you know, <laughs> because I, I have to do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Well, so, okay. I think I know where I want to start asking you about death because I feel like you have answers that I want to hear. Um, in your own personal life, you said that you're 72 years old, which means you still have plenty, plenty, plenty of years left. But you also mentioned that people come here with like goals and things to do. Have you finished your goals? Are you still working on your goals? How do you intuitively know what your goals are? Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I know what I want to do before I die, unless I die tomorrow, which, you know, it's okay. But um, yeah, I have two books to write. One is I really want to get the how of the empowerment processes out. So there's three, I have a lot of material, a lot, a lot of material. And one of the things that I like doing is, is writing that stuff. That's really fun for me. So if you go to my website, which is empowermentprocess.com, 
you'll see a lot of newsletters, you know, it's so chock full of stuff, it's really too much, you know, and so if I'm going to do any marketing, it would have to be landing page stuff. But it's, it, you know, so, but in any case, um, so I want to write two books, that one. And then I want to, I really want to honor Deborah because she was a phenomenal writer. She was a phenomenal um, um, what, uh, artist and a phenomenal being. And I just, I kind of want to honor this somehow, but I don't really quite, I'm still grieving a little bit. You know, I'm mean, going to go off and on, but I, I don't want it to be a therapeutic piece and I'm not really quite sure of the angle yet. But so I just keep throwing things in folders and I write things occasionally and stuff like that. But, you know, <laughs> those are great goals. And, and so what um, the fulfillment of a goal, does that is that the same, do you think, for all people like there's a recognition of, OK, I, I met that goal. Or do you think that sometimes we get carried away, use the word attachment, like I've been attached to measurements of goals and they've done nothing good for me in my life? instead of just being attached to like the goal. What do you mean by measurement of goals? Well, so like I've written six or seven novels and I like them and they're good. And I have not sold them to a direct like publishing house the way I fantasized in my early teens and twenties. Uh -huh. And so that like lack of confirmation from what I decided has bothered me my whole life. And as I'm getting older, I'm realizing that it's very important that I come to terms with that. Yeah, yeah, so the word confirm, yeah. The word confirmation is the one that's really important from my standpoint. And it's like acknowledging and accepting, okay, and then taking action. So you're at the point where, well, what kind of action do I want to take? Um, so taking action is the next thing. And one of the things that I probably, that's my, one of my, my uh, impediments is that I, I don't have a lot of patience, okay? And also, I really also feel, uh, Mike, that when it's time to to make that decision to where where to put these things or how to sell them or, you know, whatever it is, uh, that nature will organize that for you. And you'll just know it's just you'll just know. And until then, you don't think about it because at some time you wake up in the morning and it's like, oh, you know, like that. Or you'll talk to somebody and, and they'll they'll have the answer for you. It doesn't matter how you receive the information, but it's just that you you will receive it when the time is right. In the meantime, you know, do your podcast or whatever else you or write another book or or work or whatever, you know, whatever you like to do. And and my kid my kids used to say to me, Mom, just be in your bliss. And it's like, oh my God. <laughs> <You know? laughs> That would be really nice. And, you know, my husband who works all the time, especially during tax time, which is now, he's always in his bliss. You know, it doesn't matter um, what happens or who doesn't understand something or how many times he has to do to share, you know, whatever. He just, he's easy. And uh, I mean, you know, I'd like to be like that, but, but we are who we are, correct? Well, wow. That, that was very profound. Well, we are officially out of time, but I do always give my guests one last chance to have the floor because I feel it's very important. So is there anything you're dying to get out there or tell anyone? Uh, only, only that whatever appears on the outside is something that's going on on the inside, you know? Oh, I love so that. So we might as well just, you know, we might as well just accept that that's something we have to shift to transform. And that's why a process is 
useful. Well, Janet Swartz, thank you so much for helping us put another nail in the coffin. And um, I will be thinking about a lot of things you said about confirmation, uh, nature, organizing things for you, being your bliss. Um, so many wonderful thoughts for me to take and just nourish. Um, and I wish you the best of luck with all of your success. Of course, we will post links to your books and your website and everything like that. So until then, once again, everyone, I am Mike Oppenheim. You have been listening to Coffin Talk, interviews with the living, and we will see you soon.